Greetings, boils and ghouls. You're listening to Crypt Creepers, the podcast where we do absolutely nothing interesting or exploitive with the greatest horror anthology of our generation, Tales from the Crypt. I'm Thomas Johnston, and this smoldering, murderous bohunk here is my sister, Mary Johnston. So, do you think bohunk is his first or last name? Uh, I think it's, I think it's a, isn't bohunk actually like technically a slur for people from um, Bohemia? So like Czechoslovakians? What? Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was like. A, I, th- I mean, I thought it was like an implication of of attractiveness, but yeah. I also like the idea of a guy being like, "Oh no, no, please, Mister Bunk Hunk was my father." <laughs> please, I'm Doctor Bohunk. <laughs> please, please, I mean, would, would you Senator like to hear what Bohunk the, was my great uncle? Would you like to hear the dictionary.com definition of Bohunk? Yes, it is. It is, it is noun, informal, offensive. An immigrant from Central or Southeastern Europe, especially a laborer. Also, a rough or uncivilized person. I'm not terribly surprised that Tales from the Crypt would use a ethnic slur as a description for a character in the credits. But um, I am, I do applaud their, <laughs> like, their level of esoteric um, uh, slurs. No, no, here's the thing. That was probably left over in the original, like, you know, 1950s comic book. It's not, though. It's not, because remember, I've read that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, hmm. Maybe it's from a different one. No, it just I, seems a little I bit think overly, overly creative and old-timey. <laughs> somebody's really got it in for manual labors from Central Europe. I do I do like to pretend also that, that when they hear uh, La Bivohem, um in Rent, they're <laughs> like, those bohunks. So today, uh, we never mentioned this before. We are <laughs> we, we are talking about um, the Tales from Crypt episode, The Sacrifice, uh, which is about. James, a hotshot insurance salesman who is negotiating <laughs> a big policy for vulgar tycoon Sebastian. James becomes entangled with Sebastian's smoldering wife, Gloria. They decide that she might be better off if she is widowed. Blah, 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 blah. Murder, blah, blah, blah. Twist, blah, blah, blah. It's not very interesting. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> um, so- yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just leading right at the top. The episode's kind of a dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, getting that on the table right away. So it is. So now um, you're you're making Richard Greenberg, the director, cry. Oh. Um. So uh, Richard Greenberg <laughs> also directed his most important thing that he directed. He doesn't have very many directing credits, but he also directed uh, the movie Little Monsters. Um, that sounds familiar, but I'm not sure. I, you say that, and I immediately think Monster Squad, which is a different movie. No, 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 Little Monsters. Um, I'm actually now realizing that I thought this was Monster Squad because <laughs> I was like, my notes are just like so many homophobic slurs. But now, yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, it might be that might be true. But it's that's possible. Squad. But no, I'm definitely thinking of Monster Squad. <laughs> Little Monster has uh, Fred Savage becoming best friends with a monster in it. And oh no, no, no! I know Little Monsters. Isn't this, isn't this the thing that has the like horrifying video cover? That's like this weird like. It's Fred Savage, and then like this like blue scary monster. That yes, yes, it is. Yes. 
Oh man, I, scary monster! It kind of no, looks like dude. This the, thing scared that scared the heck out of me when I was a child. It kind of looks like the Bobo Michael J. Fox dinosaur from Dinosaurs, except yeah. blue. Well, look, look I, I just pulled it up, and it is much less scary than I remember it being. But I was terrified of this because I was a wiener child, uh, as we have established. So uh, Richard Greenberg, though primarily um, was a title and end credit designer. He did the title uh, designer work on such fine films as Flash, ah, Gordon. Oh, sweet, yeah. Which does have which does have a great title sequence. I I would have to re I have to dig out the DVD and rewatch it. Yeah, you should anyway. It's I just it's just the music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, also Hudson Hawk. Oh man. <laughs> and <laughs> and, and we're just talking about like. Awesome, awesome 80s and 90s, like heartbreaker stinker movies. Also, Death Becomes Her. Oh, yeah. So that's kind of I, I, I We just watched it. I don't remember the titles in that being like fun or different. They're, they don't have to be. They don't have to be. They're but. fun. I mean, it's like it's like an illustrative thing. And I think there's like a circle wipe. That leads oh, okay. to the okay. movies. And yeah. it's 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 more designy. That it's not just it's not yeah, just like white text on a black screen. <laughs> then it was written by Ross Thomas, mm-hmm. um, who, who you might not realize you might not realize this, but mostly was in wrote novels. Uh-huh. Um, he wrote suspense thrillers for the most part. Um, he especially liked ones that were political in nature, lots of like schemes and um, and in and, and, uh, japes and sudden deaths and craziness happening in Washington, D.C. I guess so he's more but he's more like the Pelican Brief, less like yes. Mildred Pierce. Yes, yes, yes. Which I mean, which are like two very unrelated things, but just you know, it'll it'll take shape. It takes shape just thinking about the way this episode works. Yeah. And um, he had kind of an interesting life. He was a combat inf- intra- infantry man, infantry, infantry man in World War Two. Uh-huh. And then he became a, a newspaper man and a, a, a journalist. And oh, then probably and talked then, exactly like that. And then he became a political co- consultant. And then he started writing novels oh, over man. 25 books. So he's like kind of one of those guys. I, I imagine so, like a political consultant. I just imagine he was basically like Toby Ziegler from the West Wing. I imagine that this guy constantly is like reeking of of spray Old Spice cologne. Yeah, like he's definitely he's definitely one of those guys who is who puts on his deodorant via an aerosol can. What's well, got a nozzle? It's it's very high tech. Space age. Yes. Um. But uh, he, he's celebrated for this. People say that he has really good dialogue and intricate plots that they like. Mm-hmm. Um, and he then kind of switched over into writing some screenplays. Uh-huh. But his wife suggested that he is a subtle writer who likes a lot of ambiguities and plots. And that uh-huh. while his readers got that in books... His 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 movies were less successful. I gotcha because 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 the public were philistines and all they wanted to see was violence in their picture shows. Probably, probably yeah. uh, something that you know uh, a a very couth political consultant, knee newspaper man, knee <laughs> um, front lines combatman, which just doesn't know what to think about <laughs> combat. <laughs> 
I think that's what they're called, right? <laughs> Combat men. Soldier. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day, soldier. So- <laughs> exactly. Combat men. I, um, I feel actually you, you've humanized the writer. That makes me suddenly feel bad about things I want to say about this episode. Um, and then basically the cast, the cast is full of um, people who are in a bunch of stuff. Like you've seen um, Kevin uh, Kilner as who is like kind of the main bow hunk of this of this story in a lot of stuff. He's kind of one of these guys that looks a little bit like Alan Thicke, but like with a rubberier face. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like. I thought he looked a little bit like uh, the guy from Arliss, who is the Barker in um, Dig That Cat. Interesting. I know. No, when I saw him, I was like, "Is this what he looks like without like a dumb mustache?" Interesting. <laughs> to me, he looks like one of those guys that you would believe was was made to look like a Ken doll. Like he's like yeah, he's no. like generically handsome, you know. He also kind of he also kind of looks like the guy from the league who lied about 9/11 and ruined his career. There you go. Um, but the yeah. most the most recognizable person in this story is Michael Ironsides, who enters in oh, the, like the last what a, third. What a friggin' waste of Michael Ironside. I always thought that Michael Ironside looks like if Jack Nicholson um, had an evil twin. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They look very similar. But he's uh, he's in Starship Troopers, Total Recall, Scanners, Top Gun, and he's always he's always a shouty bad guy. Don't you kind of think Michael Ironside and like Malcolm McDowell, like those guys have this, this similar, <laughs> either one or the other, similar yeah, acting not, styles. Not, yeah, yeah, they're not. It's it, you can just tell when they're writing a pic, when they're writing it, they're just like this is for Michael Ironside or maybe Malcolm McDowell. What's funny though about it is I feel like it's sort of like Michael Ironside went to public school and Malcolm McDowell went to private school. Well, it's because c- of the accent. Yeah, yeah well, it's because he's smarter naturally because he has got he's a Brit. <laughs> He can speak two languages. Well, and actually, when I English and like English English, yeah. and when I said that, I realized what I actually meant because he is a Brit. Is that they both went to what we would consider public school. So what what's going on in this story that we see? So basically, this I, I thought I did a great recap. Basically, blah blah blah. Basically, this <laughs> bohunk tries to convince <laughs> tries to convince seemingly comes up with this plan to kill Gloria's husband Sebastian, by chucking him off a balcony. <laughs> right. Because no one will know. Did he slip? Could have happened to anybody. And then... Right. People fall from balconies, like, all the time, and no one ever knows why. No one ever knows why. And then Michael Ironside... And, no, nobody, and nobody is curious as to why either. No, no, no. They don't really care. And then Michael Ironside yeah. shows up and is like, I have pictures of of you throwing this dude off a balcony and and what does he want he doesn't want money he wants to share gloria which is feels bad feels bad oh yeah it's feels highly bad, seedy um yeah. and then at the very end uh bohunk decides he can no longer handle sharing gloria putting gloria through this misery so he kills himself says that he in fact did kill her husband and then come to find out Gloria and uh, Jasper have made this arrangement and are in a relation, a consenting loving relationship. And we're just trying to trick Bohunk into uh, committing suicide the right. whole time. Offing, offing Sebastian and then killing himself. And now no one will know what happened. Well, so what, what can be gleaned from this as a more, as a moral 
Well, I mean, I think that as an insurance salesman, um, that uh, James, aka Bohunk, um, really transgressed a lot of what I assume are like profession, what would be like a professional code at work. Like you're probably not supposed to, you know, pork the spouse of people you're selling life insurance policies to. I don't to. think that that's then, uh, so much a big deal. I think it was more the um, the murder. <laughs> well, I was getting there. <laughs> I think it was the murder Sorry, aspect. I know we're supposed to talk about the world, but I love, okay, so I love that they they have this, probably the most awkward lovemaking scene we've seen in the Tales mo- the Definitely Crypt. the most, like, tender? Yeah, but but there's like the weird part where they're they're, they're it's really slow. It kind of reminds me of like Top Gun, like I take my breath away. But but there's like a part they're like you know sort of they're facing each other. Then you can kind of tell that maybe her legs are up, and then he's like smooching her back, and then she's flipped over again, and then she's flipped over again. It just I don't know, just like the way it's blocked and, and the way it, you're just like, wait, what? Hey, where are people in space? I can't tell. I think somebody went to a Boston market for lunch and was like, what's sexier than rotisserie chicken? She's just going to be spinning this whole time. First, so first it's a front, then it's a back. Whoopsie. Now we're on a side. The really tender kisses on the back just look real creepy. It creeps me out because you know that he really had to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, because well, it's 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 not it's not totally dark silhouette. So there's some light and you can see it. But they're definitely it's like the the exaggerated puckered lips that are kind of doing the like kind of deep smooch with 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 you know minimal time. It, it it yeah it it was uncomfortable and not uncomfortable in that way when like watching a watching a sex scene with your mom or, you know, your kids in the room, what would be, you're just like, oh, feels it's bad. It's a level of uncomfortableness that you can be entirely alone and still experience. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I've experienced it many times. <laughs> <laughs> just, um, what, uh, but that's okay. So the more, you think the moral is, um, is stick to your code as an insurance salesman? <laughs> I mean, no, like, obviously, obviously the, um, Obviously, the moral is supposed to be something about, yeah, like not like, I mean, or is it or is it like don't or, or is it something kind of like don't try to bullshit the bullshitter? But also the 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 plot where Gloria is tricking James is is so un, is wafer thin. Yeah, I mean, you're given there's basically no, no meat on that bone to like chomp away at. I kind of feel like <sighs> if we're going to tie it into the insurance thing, I think it should be like you're very wrong. You can be very wrong about a situation. Don't open yourself up to maximal risk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like this is uh, we're we're being we're being funny. I mean, like this clearly is supposed to be a moral story where it's like you know he did this bad thing. He murdered the dude to get love, but turns out she was she isn't she just like every woman? She was playing him the whole time. Like, I, okay. don't 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 be <laughs> yeah, a classic kinda... bow hunk. I think is it. Yeah. Uh, there's also I think a little bit of like dead men tell no tales, but parrots might. Yeah. Oh man, the Chekhov's parrots. So yeah. So Sebastian has this. This crazy a, 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 an, a penthouse apartment that he describes as being a whore's dream. <laughs> he's real insulting about his own place. Um, <laughs> or maybe, or maybe, he's he's, got this, maybe he means it in a sex positive way. I don't think so. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, he is sex positive. I mean, he says the only thing, two things that leave him in awe are, and I quote, "Sorry, mother, money and pussy," which <laughs> feels bad. I mean, what a cool There's guy. Also, like, the, they also, yeah, they also like half try to develop this idea that 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 L.A. is the money, pussy, and bullshit ca- capital of the world, but like that 
that that it, 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 it even echoes back. We hear his dead voice say it again. But like it doesn't. There's no payoff. Didn't you there. know that that's what they were going to put up instead of Hollywood? But then there was a giant mudslide, so it left no tenable, tenable landmass for that. I was going to say money, pussy, bullshit? and bullshit. <laughs> Ampersand bullshit. Oh man, oh man. Yeah, but anyway, I, I, we're we're really buried the lead here. Yes, Sebastian has like a room of parents. <laughs> uh, Sebastian has that... a has a uh, seems to have a little porch for his parents. But the porch is like, it seems like it's an interior wall. Just, just It's a conservatory sure. full of Mary, parrots. Mary, Mary. It was, that's a load-bearing wall. <laughs> I, think if you, I think if you map out his apartment, you'll find that that shares a, a wall with the bathroom, which means... When I, was, when I was drawing the blueprint of his apartment based on what we could see, it's clear to me... It's an interior, it's an interior room that's lit entirely by skylights. No, but anyway, but yeah, right. He's got all these parrots, right? And people are talking and plotting. And you're just waiting for, like, the Chekhov's parrots to go off. Like, the parrots are going to say something like, you know, James, don't kill me. And the cops are going to be like, James the murderer, James the murderer. Yeah. (laughs) And they're going to be like, well, I mean, if the talking bird says it, it's got to be true. Oh, man. A parrot said this? Couldn't possibly be fake. Birds do not possess the capacity to lie. Well-known fact. Well-known fact. Also, they're just mimicking what they've heard. Right. So, and, and, And I know that the final shot and the whole episode is the parrot saying and i wrote this down because it's baffling hello jim help me gloria but like it's, and then, there's no ah! payoff there yeah yeah no payoff like yeah, no uh, as far as we actually i became very concerned i was like are those parrots now just trapped in that apartment they belong to michael ironside now <laughs> <laughs> no because michael ironside and gloria drive off into the distance Oh, you're right. Yeah. Nobody's going to feed those parrots. Maybe that's the horror. Maybe that's the dark, exploitive twist at the end. I feel oh, no. I feel the most sorry for those parrots, those parrots that know. What the about Sebastian secret. parrots? Probably, though, I bet like if you're if you're a if you're a, a rich a-hole like Sebastian, you're like, you know how there are people who have like super nice aquariums in their houses um, and they have like a service that'll come and work on it. Maybe he's got like a bird guy who like services his birds like weekly or daily. <laughs> Some kid in shorts who, like, comes in and, like, you know, make sure the, bir- the birds don't have, like, feather mites or something. Anyway, the reason that this episode is not fun is that it's not it's not fun. It's not there's no, like, there's no horror. There's no exploitation. It's it's a really tepid, not especially fun noir, so, I guess, sort of story. Um, I, I tried to find some good. I try not to read too many reviews, but I tried to find a good review of this. And the reviews I read, some of them were hilarious because they say things like, um, you know, it's, it's always someone who's like, Kim Delaney is extra hot as Gloria Fielding with, two, with, wait, are there two or is there only one? With, you, you know, with an, with an extra long love seat. And you're just like, oh, God. Yikes. <laughs> you're like, both hands on the keyboards, gents. Um, <laughs> Yikes. But also, but also some of the things I read were hilarious because they <laughs> say things like, the actress did a really good job of, like, like of like of not giving up that she was manipulating him when you're like no 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 let me explain to you so acting she is not actually riven with inner turmoil because she's trying to trick her co-star into murdering her other co-star like she's just reading from the script like the fact that you can't 
tell, and, and that this isn't necessarily on her, but like the fact that you can't tell that she has another agenda is probably weakness on the writer's part, the writing and directing. Yeah, I would like, say she, she probably didn't she, realize she, it until they got to that right, point right. of if the it, shooting if it's, schedule. If it's shot in order, yeah, she doesn't. She's as surprised as you are. Yeah. So I think that that's a, like a hilarious, funny idea. And it's not only here that you see it, but like a lot of the times, people, <laughs> where people sort of seem to forget that like the actors are just pretending you know so be like oh man she did how she was able to just carry through after after her husband died what an actress you're like no that was that was pretend that wasn't real correct yeah so it's really funny um so this 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 i think uh, what's not fun about it is that i think that this whole episode is set up to sort of give you a story about a perfect crime and the perfect mm-hmm. crime is not very convoluted, even when it gets too convoluted. Like the double, like so. Uh, so James's whole idea is, I'm going to write up this insurance policy. Your husband will not sign it, and then we'll dump him off the edge of. We'll, we'll throw him off the balcony, and when they show up, nobody, nobody will think that that seems fishy. No one will care yeah. about that. That's not interesting. And then, mm-hmm. and then when they show up, they'll be like, oh, he didn't sign this. Oh, I guess she didn't kill him for the insurance money. She just killed him for, you know, all of his other money. Right, right. Yes. And then you're fine. This is happening in L.A. This is a community property state. She should have just divorced him. Yes. Also, she could have had three and a half parrots. <laughs> is what I'm saying here. Three and a half parrots. And one of the two penthouses he has. She could have had, she could have had like a whore's like nap dream if she really wanted. Yeah, yeah, like a a whore's disco nap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A whore's, a whore's daydream. (laughs) A a, a whore's musings, if you will. So there's, there's a lot of fertile ground to plow here. Right. So, so there's a lot, there's a, there's a lot of media about the, the perfect crime and like what that involves. This episode does it in the stupidest way possible. And this is not so much slandering the episode as it does the thing where the character monologues to the audience about how great and clever their crime is. And it's not even, you know, you know what I'm saying? Because there are there are because there are shows where like um, Strangers on the Train or Rope, where there's like this idea of, you know, sort of murder as murderous art or the idea that random killing is hard to connect and that's true in real life and true so that can be a perfect crime right killing someone who you there's no reason why you would kill them hard to figure that out but this is one where they get into the process this is like dexter where where apparently the perfect way to murder people is to like kill them in a room covered in three layers of plastic and then drop them in the mariana trench um, you, you know, where you're just you can kind of tell the writers like, look how close, look at this smart thing I figured out um, in this. The perfect crime is we'll throw him off a balcony. Who's to know? No insurance. So why would they, why would we kill him? I'll lay low for six months. Then we'll get together. Then we'll be seen dating. We'll get married. Nobody will think anything's weird. <laughs> and the perfect crime again, he's like, if he falls, the best thing is who's to say he didn't slip, even though he's screaming all the way down, even though we see him hit the ground. And then we see a bellman come out of the front of the building and look up and they're just like chilling on the balcony. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I just think it's funny because all of these, all, all of the, especially the kind where it's, you know, where they describe elaborate methodologies for killing people. Is basically the author turning to you and being like, I'm a genius. Here's what I would do. Yeah. Well, what I kind of think is funny, too, is I feel like in a lot of um, kind of like broad, broad audience appeal 
uh, series, mm-hmm. it is not uncommon for them to riff on something from that that a that a much more artistic uh, director put together. Like if this was going to like this is sort of Rear Window, kind of. Right, well, if you imagine Ironsides as uh, Jimmy Stewart, which I would not I guess, recommend, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> thinking that way. Right. But, um, <laughs> what if what if they just swapped roles? Oh my god! Well, what I want to do is about, I just want to share her. Think about how di- sexually. Think about how different uh, "It's a Wonderful Life" would be with Michael Ironsides. Um, <laughs> just sort of grimly, grimly. He'd be so good at the crabby parts, though. He would be very good. I mean, he'd be terrified when he's like, spit a little spider. I don't want any ground floors. Anyway. Um, <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> we, would be treated, we would be treated to him basically being like, fuck your pedals, Zuzu. <laughs> Frank Capra would have like <laughs> watched. Like, you can say that in the past? Frank Capra would have watched that, uh, that audition and been like, okay, well, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. You're- <laughs> You're right, Mary. We basically just invented the SNL bit. <laughs> yeah, we totally did. Anyway, so like, I, I kind of, I don't know why they didn't just take a better, like, perfect crime story and then mm-hmm. just outfit, I mean, and preferably something that has a noir base, right? And then mm-hmm. outfit it with 80s aesthetic and then just make that, like, and as a little bite-sized morsel. Yes. Like, and no one would blame them for that. That would be fine. It would actually tickle me. I would be like riffing right now about how what a nice move that was provided it was done well you know right no no 100 percent. also we wouldn't be ripping on this so much if, if they didn't spend valuable screen time gloating about how great their idea is yeah no you know, right this like because 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 it's a tv show so you're like yeah they like flip them off the balcony of course the cops would figure it out but somehow the cops don't it's fine right right we, well if that. the like central if the cool thing about this because like i think uh, Tales and Crypt is a is a uh, brief enough storytelling endeavor that they're sort of like every episode has to have a hook or one cool thing about it. This one is definitely yes. the perfect crime. It has the noir base, yeah. like as mm-hmm. like as like backdrop to even like accentuate that, and it's just not a very good crime. Yeah, no, the crime is the crime is dumb. I feel like, and I and it doesn't even kind of get into. I feel like it would have been cooler if. Um, if Thomas Ross, uh, Ross Thomas, the writer, made it about a crime novelist who's like, I'm a clever clogs, I'm going to murder just to test my mettle, you know? Oh, man. Yeah. You're, you're speaking my language. The kind of the other thing, the people who like like rope this idea of like the art of mur- the ultimate game is killing other people. Yeah. Which is also which which I think doesn't that speak to I mean, isn't that why people are obsessed with serial killer podcasts now? This idea of like it's the ultimate, you know, edgy experience. Yeah. Although which I also think which I which is also hilarious, right? Because the way that most of these guys don't get caught is that they like don't deviate from their original plan. Like Gary Ridgway, right? The Green River Killer, the most prolific serial killer, I believe, in the United States, was a was a low IQ person, but he just never he just didn't make any mistakes. Yeah. But here's here's my main issue, because you could argue that actually who's pulling off the perfect crime and they do it are Gloria and um, and Jeremy. Right. And Jerry. Yeah. What's his name? Jerry. Jer- Jerry Jaspers. Jerry Jaspers. It's Gloria. Oh, Jerry Jaspers. Yes. Yeah. Like, because that is truly the perfect crime. Right. right. W- yeah. What? But how would they know how- which like. Right. It would it would you it would feel more satisfying. It's the whole thing with like anybody can write a mystery that, you, that nobody can figure out. 
the secret to good, writing a good mystery story is writing something that's like just hard enough that you feel like you can figure it out and you're still surprised. Probably, or at least for me anyway, because, yeah, if you just write it with like a bunch of random nonsense at the end, like this one, you know, we we never see Gloria suggest anything. So it's really hard to understand that she's manipulating him short of like basically existing. I guess she does go to his his weird houseboat. But basically after his, he invites nice her to. Right. That, that that conversation was also very like. She's like, oh, I, I, where where do you live with your wife and children? Oh, I'm not married and I have a boat. It's in the marina. And you're like, oh, I did. <laughs> does, yeah. That, does crab man not know what's going on? I know that guy has a bunch of parrots squawking in his ear, but surely he knows. Um, yeah. <laughs> they're sizing each other up like they're sides of beef. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, it just seems very, it seems very strange. Um, but she's definitely, I think what they're going for, again, with the, the film noir, the, the, the angle that it also mm-hmm. beats home is that she's like a femme fatale in this story. Leading. Sure. Yeah. She's leading a poisonous woman. Leading. Leading, leading stupid old James down the garden path. So I think femme fatale is is a generally femme fatale describes a lot of cool characters. It has it has I think though kind of almost become cliched to the point where basically a femme fatale is like anyone who's maybe kind of a sexy bad guy who doesn't who is at all subtle kind of can can count. Yeah, and and it, that's it's sort of too bad because you know. Um, I, while doing some research, I ran across a an awesome quote by by someone who only ever I don't know if this person's a student or what, but only kind of wrote some weird analysis of a of um of romance novels for or, or of a series of romance novels for a uh, for like some internal like University of North Carolina or something press. But they talk about how the femme fatale links promiscuity with the rejection of motherhood, which is sort of a which is like a one two punch. Um, of uh, the threatening qualities to patriarchy, and what they say is one of her most threatening qualities, since by denying her immort, but since by denying his immortality and his posterity, it leads to the ultimate destruction of the male. And I think this is cool when you think about like where the idea of femme fatale sort of comes from. In that, usually they are, you know, um, a, a more sexual. They use their sexuality and sort of, sort of more sexually free. But I think about things like Mildred Pearson stuff with the idea of rejecting motherhood, too. So they really are like, men, we will not we will do the things you say that we won't that we're not supposed to do. We will also reject the roles that you have set for us. And that's that, that's kind of cool. Um, and, and, and a way of thinking about this, because I think that uh, femme fatales generally, um, especially now, are just sort of used in sort of a stupid, exploitive way. Um, think about the, the 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 job they did on um, Irene Adler in the um, new uh, in the in the Sherlock BBC series. Ugh, that is, you know, you know what I mean. Where it's just kind of like you know, where it's just sort of like, yeah, femme fatale just means that you're like you're you're like a, a morally ambiguous woman who probably spends some of the show in like lingerie or fetish wear. You know, like yeah, okay. I also I read some things about femme fatales as well. Um, I think that Gloria fits the mark pretty classically. Like there's kind of like old school and new school femme fatales. Mm-hmm. So old school femme fatales were basically sorceresses. Like yeah, Circe is a Circe is the ultimate femme fatale. Yeah, 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 yeah like yeah. like like witches, gypsies, <laughs> those kinds of things. Can't say that. You can't say this is also our most racist episode. You can't say gypsy. No, they're they're Roma. Ugh. You're the gypsy is a slur, just like Bohan. You're the worst. Um, <laughs> but they're supposed to be like. 
just outwoking you like man. God damn it. They're supposed to be like like witches. They're supposed to be like witches, and like as your daughter would say, they have real powers like like magic shoots out of their hands. Um yeah, exactly. And then and 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 now modern in modern ages generally they're not. Instead, they're just women who are smarter and can outmaneuver the main mm-hmm. character and have a side plot that is different from the plot that she presents as like a lot of them present as beautiful women caught in bad situations that she desperately mm-hmm. needs the main character to, to help her escape. And I also kind of arrived at this where I was like, Oh, it's sort of like, Oh, like it's like flipping white knighthood on its head where it's like, mm-hmm. where it's like, if you're smart enough to do this, you could escape without them, but it's just so much easier to do it this way. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah and, yes, and there are a lot of fun. I feel like there are a lot of fun characters for femme fatales. I, I, it's just become sort of a stupid overused. It doesn't help that femme fatale also was like a nice kind of like like memey sort of word for it, such that like you'll see things where like Black Widow um, of the Marvel movies is described as femme fatale, and you're like, no, she mostly just like punches guys in the jaw. Yeah, I think she's actually just a spy. That's like her. Deal. I mean, she might, she might, but but isn't being a spy a femme fatale? And you're just like, okay, yeah, but you're. It's, you're making it to the point where it describes almost nothing <laughs> or it describes everything and therefore almost nothing, which is too bad because I think that like the noir femme fatale, those are, those are, those are fun and cool roles. Um, uh, and you, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's, it's too bad. Well, and in the, in the noir, the noir sense too, you kind of have a sense that it's, it's vulnerable parties that aren't vulnerable at all. I thought a lot about Chinatown with sure. this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, although I think that yeah. that movie is complex enough to actually make um, make their central femme fatale uh, true, truly a tragic figure. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it was just that. Maybe I'm just connecting this with Michael Ironsides. Yeah, <laughs> Michael Ironsides it looks like Jack Nicholson. Man, I love I love that movie where where Michael Ironsides romances Diane Keaton on a beach. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that um so do you think that Uma Thurman's character in Pulp Fiction is a is a femme fatale? Mm, sort of. She has like she has like all the trappings of it, but like no payoff really. Is, right, yeah, is the the payoff is that she like maybe kind of want to sleep with John Travolta or at least use his drugs. I think the payoff is that she wants to use drugs. Which actually, yeah, if you yeah, think yeah. about it, where like John Travolta's like, they're booze in that milkshake. I'm not allowed to give you booze. You're kind of like, <laughs> who are you? <laughs> you're just waiting for it to be like, you're not my real dad. Yeah. Well, you're gonna be like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> like you're. Well, I mean, to be to be fair, she she already is in a situation where like her weird like mobster husband is like, I'm gonna have a hitman come in and babysit you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, but that's that's an idea that makes a little bit more sense. It's like, I've, I've hired you a bodyguard, but the bodyguard isn't able to be like, I don't know, there's a lot of cholesterol in that. <laughs> Come on, it's bizarre. So, if Glor- I do agree that Glory does fill the role of a femme fatale and that she's like, I'm married to an ass, kind of. Yeah, right. Where she's kind of like, help me murder my husband. But she's not at all. Instead, she's just like, let's have an affair. And he's like, how about we murder your husband? I will super murder your husband. And she's like, I suppose so. And, you know, really for perfect crimes. So, like, 
he shows up to sign the insurance papers and that's when he murders him. Like he could just like she could like let him into the guy's house at any moment and he could murder him. Yeah, the auto in the attic uh, defense. That I also would have preferred to watch, to be honest with you. Um, so if Gloria is in this sort of um, the sort of tepid, uh, perfect crime movie, a, a femme fatale, what do we make of the fact that James is an insurance salesman? Is an insurance salesman the new P.I. gumshoe of the 90s? Ooh. I wish I could say yes, but I when I watched it, I thought him being a salesman who's coming to this dude's house was just more like goofy retro tales from the cryptness. You know, right? Like how many people have an insurance guy who like comes to their house to talk to them? You would be well, I have some insight in this uh professional sure, speaking. Of course, I'm of course. not an insurance yeah, yeah, salesman, yeah. but no, I work yeah. with a bunch of insurance salesmen. Um uh-huh. very common. <laughs> they do want to It's so weird. They want I mean like general they're not like knock 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 knocking that are Avon call. Sure, like, like here are my brushes and my insurance policy. But the way that it's set up in this for Sebastian's like I called them up and I said them send me my slickest agent. Like that happens. Yeah. You yeah. get like matched wow. with an agent and then they come to your house. They want to come to your house or they want to meet you at a coffee shop. Maybe not, you know, they want to meet with yeah, yeah. you. No, yeah, I, I, I've experienced that. Yeah, they want to like meet you. They want to meet with you. So that, that, that yeah. rang true yeah. to me. I I did think that yeah, sure, sure. I feel like there's like a lot of cool, fertile ground to do stuff with him as an insurance agent that they didn't really fully get into. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like he should have been like, I'm an insurance agent. I am. I am the my business is assessing risk and like creating mm-hmm. security. Sure, and sure. Who else? Who else could come up with a great crime than a guy whose whole job is death and risk? Right, assessment? and also yeah, and I got also the, yeah, dealing with one's money and death and sort of this um, the the murky mm-hmm. de- getting into the murky details of one's life, um, getting purviews into into what people are afraid of and what they desire more than anything else, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's yeah, yeah. and I, I don't really think they did anything with it, but I feel no, they did like nothing. With but it. I feel like there are like cool hooks there. Like I want it to be better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. By that, by that, you're like, you know who the real cold mother effers are? Actuaries. <laughs> <laughs> no one has ever. Don't mess with an actuary. <laughs> oh, man. I do. I do know a super good actuary joke. Would you like me to? Uh, would you like me? To I'd, lo- I'd love to hear an actuary. <laughs> joke. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what's the difference between an actuary and an insurance salesman? Well, I don't know what. An actuary looks at his own shoes while he talks to you. And an insurance agent looks at your shoes when he talks to you. <laughs> that's a good joke. Um, that's cute. Yeah, that's cute. Yeah. So I also thought that there maybe could have been like some like ground to till of like rich and pa- like so like the traditional film noir stories are about like a man like a lawman but he's a little bit on the outside he's like outside of the law sure. he's like a private eye or something like that. Or yep, like yep, a yep, disgraced yep. cop, like there's something, yeah. there's something that veteran, a man who has been broken by the things that have happened to him, yeah, yeah. or a little bit broken, yeah. partially He's, broken, he, cracked. He adheres to the systems of power around him and like law and order, but but it's like, but there's something wrong and dirty about him that means he can't fully enter it. And then he has, he's given, he's given a little taste of something much bigger than him like he's not just like tailing people's cheating husbands anymore he's suddenly like Brit. he's like 
cracking the mob or like the Maltese Falcon or starts starts unraveling and it turns out that this goes way deeper and way bigger than anybody could have ever. Right, right, right. And it turns out that as an outsider, he's the only person who can like have access to this and and, and solve the crime no matter what, even if it, even if the bad guys do get away with it, which I would say like 40% of the time they do. Right. And depending on if it's based on a book or not, he he may or may not be killed or ruined by it as well. Right. You know, if the character if the character recurs, he has to sort of be okay at the end of the story. But otherwise. Right. Well, and it sort of feels like at the end of it, like he he is undone once again. Like you kind of it's almost like you it's almost like a memento thing where you like catch him at a bad point in his life. And then at the end of it, you're like, oh, that's why he's so messed up. The world is messed up. (laughs) Um, Man. So. I kind of think you could also do something cool where it's like the rich and powerful are above traditional notions of law and order and the mm-hmm. and the low lives that they allow into like have little like glimpses of these systems of power and the, the places where they do break the law are people who manage their money like insurance mm-hmm. agents. So, yeah, sure. I feel like you could have done something cool with that as well. I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I wish this this was like. American Psycho, except about insurance salesmen. <laughs> so hot, so hot. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 your points are excellent and belong in a much better show. Yeah, I just, or I, at least like episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Show. I, I mean, show is in spectacle, not shows in series. Yeah. So when you were watching it the first time, were you waiting for some supernatural twist? Or at least like an exploitive twist. Like I felt, I thought for sure those parrots were gonna like rat him out. Like I thought that was gonna be the goofy thing, or that you know maybe he's not. Maybe maybe did uh, Sebastian not actually die? Or yeah, no, I thought. Just... I mean, when I saw the parrots, I immediately thought it was gonna be a telltale heart situation that the parrots were gonna drive him sure. crazy. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and they were gonna be like the thing, and then eventually, I mean, like. It's never the parrots never fully rat him out, but it's like the parrots are like the threat of ratting him out, and then he rats himself out, and then that's satisfying to watch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, th- yeah, I kind of yeah. thought that that was going to happen. Um, I don't know. I, another way it could have gone is I thought maybe it was going to be sort of like the graduate, <laughs> where he kills this guy, and then he realizes he doesn't really want to be with Gloria. <laughs> And then it's like kills Gloria. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So that <laughs> no, what if it just what, instead of killing her, it just ends like the graduate with the buff just being like, <laughs> "Yay, we killed him!" Oh, oh no! Oh no! <laughs> I'm Dustin Hoffman. Um, <laughs> I, wait, but supernatural? Few... No, I didn't really think it was going to be supernatural. I guess it, it seemed. Nah, yeah, it's kind of it's telegraphed. Yeah, but by the time you figure out where it's going, you realize it's not that kind of story. Yeah. Yeah, I do feel like they um, they do a lot of... But that would be such a twist. You'd be surprised. They do such a lot of telling instead of showing, which does make sense mm-hmm. because you need to hide the fact that Jerry and Gloria apparently just like going back to their house and making like a Stouffer's lasagna because they've been in love forever. Um, oh, yeah. We're we going we to talk about the exploitive element, maybe? Is this an exploitive element? Yes. So... What what we do get is this. I mean, like it's it's horrifying to imagine like shipping basically this person over to be raped by this dude. Like that's a horrifying yes. idea. And the fact that it's May uh, Michael Ironsides makes this deal with James. I like that. I like refuse to call mm-hmm. him Jerry. He just doesn't seem like a Jerry to me. It's like not a right name. No. Um, makes this deal with James as if he's some sort of like like. Uh, 
I don't know. Biblical like, patriarch? Or like a sti- <laughs> like a stiff-necked pimp? Like, I don't know. It's like yeah, a yeah. weird thing. I'm like, well, she's your woman now. You think that Gloria yep, would yep. be like, why don't we kill him too? That's, yeah, that's yes, yes, 100%. Yes. Right? Oh, but no, because the pictures are with his lawyer. Why don't they kill the lawyer? <laughs> Turns out people, turns out these balconies are super slippery. Um, no one will know. Did they did they recently sign uh, insurance paperwork on either of these people? Sure didn't. Yeah. Um, I, okay, this is this, this is not relevant. But did you love the part where we first, Mark Ironside first shows up and um, at the house and he's like, <laughs> something like, James, invite your boss inside. Yeah, I did like that. Well, Michael Ironsides does do a lot with what he's got. But so like the really the really gross moment is when she like falls home from having too much sex with Michael Ironsides. And she's like No such thing. And she's no like, such thing he forced me to go into a grocery store and pay. She said he's yeah, she says a new wrinkle and you're like, I think it's is did they not did the word kink not exist in the nineties? Or even like twist. Like, I don't know. Yeah. A new wrinkle. It's a new wrinkle. <laughs> it did. It did make me make a bad face. It made me make the yeah, face. Yeah. That, it feels bad. It, ma- it feels bad. Man. It made me make the face that little John makes when he holds up that burnt carrot in Disney's Robin Hood. I was like, oh, yes, God. Yes. And then. Yeah. Um, I made that same face when we, we talk about money and pussy. Yeah. No, it's just <laughs> not not great. Yeah. Um, she's like, he invented. He came up with a new wrinkle at 2 a.m. He went to a, a to maybe go to a grocery store, which I was like, what? Do they mean like a 7-Eleven? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, like, are they going yes. to like a Piggly Wiggly? <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Kroger? Are they hitting up Krogs? Yeah. Um, and then what happens is she she pays homeless people to come and watch her have sex with Michael Ironsides. And her only comment is like, they were so dirty. And yeah, that they so smelled filthy. Filthy, dirty, smell yeah, bad. Which is like that—that that is the ultimate like '80s rich lady nightmare, though, right? Being forced, being being forced to have a homeless man watch you have sex. They also call them street people. They do call them street people. Um, that's when I started. I was like, maybe this is a whole thing about money. That's interesting. Um, I do. <laughs> oh, I do I re- kind of wonder if like a homeless person would be like. Yeah, no. This seems like a really good way for me to get super murdered. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> like, yes. I don't want no. Mm. Well, also, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I guess twisted imagination, or whatever. But like, if you were like, when I, when, when you, when the way she breaks down, she's like, and made me hire a street person. You're like, uh oh. And then she's like, and they watched us have sex. And you're like, well, that's much less bad than many of the things I imagined at the be- when you started this this phrase yeah it did seem it did seem sort of like i was like that's the worst thing that's happening to you not just like all the <laughs> I mean, race I mean, obviously it's terrible but it just seems like yeah it's like yeah i mean because you know, all because like you could even do it in the sort of heightened where like now he's sharing me with street people you know like something like that and that's <laughs> number one sort of less weird seeming and then two also kind of <laughs> actually know. worse it's just crazy like she's being like and then he raped me just as always, except now there was a bad smell in the room. And you're like, I think <laughs> then there was a poor around and I just couldn't abide. Yeah, it. I was like, I think all the rape is the problem. Really? No. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yep. Okay. That's a new wrinkle. Um, Jerry Jasper says that I want her from dusk till dawn. And for a minute, I was like, oh, he's a vampire. <laughs> Invite your boss in. He's a vampire. Dusk till dawn. Dusk till dawn. Supernatural element. 
Yeah. No, the supernatural element is that Jerry was like, I'm going to have such weird sex with you that it's going to force James to commit suicide. That's supernatural knowledge. I also like how James is... Supernaturally good planning. Also, James is supernaturally bad at writing... at writing confession notes where he's like, and I killed him alone. Gloria had nothing to do with it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, yeah. How legally robust is it? I swear to God, she knew nothing. Here's the thing. Gloria, total rube in all of this. So the medication that he overdoses on is a real thing. Nembutals are an old-timey sleeping medicine, uh, barbiturate, and they're what killed Marilyn Monroe. And they don't make them in the United States anymore. Because they're dangerous. Yeah, for real. And while reading about them, um, I found lots of stuff. They are quite um, sought after in the uh, euthanasia death with dignity community for this reason, which is a little bit, a little bit dark, but uh, it's just, just an interesting uh, little factoid there. I do like that when she tells Michael Ironsides how he killed himself, he's like, oh, Nebutals, my old friends. And you're like, what? <laughs> no, totally, totally. You know, he acts the way he acts the way that skeezy people in Hollywood act when they talk about Quaaludes. Yeah, for real. I was like, wait, are you just like knocking? It's like he was like, he was like, I went through a period where I was just like sleeping really badly. <laughs> just on Nebutal all the time. I yeah, slept yeah. terribly. I needed I needed help. I started taking Nebutal. It was great. Knocked me right out. But then you know what? I, a- I, I got into transcendental meditation, and now I just do my mantra until I fall asleep. <laughs> the, o- the only the only problem I have is I can only have sex if a street person is watching. <laughs> it's the only way I can maintain an erection. <laughs> the only way I can maintain an erection is if another man is if someone who has th- less money than me. No, no, no. The only way I can maintain an erection is if another man thinks that I'm paying street people to watch me have sex. I don't actually do it or anything. I just like them to think it's true. If I just think that there's a man out there who thinks that. I can only Hard as a rock. I can only have sex if a man, if I'm driving a man literally to madness and death by doing it. (laughs) Doesn't have to be true, but I have to believe it. The killing blow! My load! <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> uh, so I, I have a confession to make. So the name of his boat is the Why Not? Yeah. Is that some sort of? Is, is that like a pun or something? I don't get. Yeah, because like knots. Like, when you like when you're. Oh, why cannot? Yeah, like yeah. knots. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's why. That's Thank why you. Sebastian's like great joke, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I saw that. I, was, I, I heard. Yeah, when that happened, I was like, wait, am I dumb? Why don't I? Yeah, I got it. I got it. I, I just wrote down some of the funny things she says. Um, like where she's like, would you like a cognac? <laughs> what well, a yes. funny rich person. Yes. Um, I like the notion that I can sail away on 10 minutes notice when he's on his boat and he's explaining why he likes it um, after they make love. Yeah. What he doesn't get into is how expensive the docking fees are. He's like, I mean, I would never I would never abandon this spot. I, mm-hmm. I'm paying for it after all. Yeah. So when um, the kickback time, right, where he buys the insurance from uh, from James and um, what he wants, he doesn't want him to give him a good deal because apparently that's not something he can do. But he does want 30 percent of James's commission. Oh, when Sebastian is like is like, listen, I know you're making money from this deal. I want 30 percent of whatever money you're making. Right. Right. I want I want 30 percent of your commission. This feels like an old time. This, this, I, maybe this is very modern and real, but this feels like an old timey way to do it, right? Because it's not like 
because it's not like Sebastian is like, look, I'm friends with Dre Jasper. So you're going to sell me like, like, you know, industry rate or what, you know, you're going to sell me the cheap. The insurance is going to be real cheap because I'm friends with your boss. Instead, it's like, because you need me, I, I, I want some of your money. Which is like, which is weird and petty and small, kind of small minded. But I, I wonder yeah, if that I mean, is, actually, is that a I think modern what it thing. Is that, that also I wish feels I was very old fashioned to me. Where Sebastian planned a perfect murder. I'm like, that's a pretty good scheme. Yeah, like you're not, you're not, you are buying the service, but you're just, get, you're, you're <laughs> making, you're making someone give you basically a discount and also feel crummy about it. Yeah, I'm like, oh. I wish that he was the making one making them give the you murder, a discount honestly. and it hurts them. <laughs> one thing we didn't mention. So there is something good about this episode. This episode is beautifully shot. It looks good. Um, it's got this be- beautiful L.A. He has a fun retro sports car that he drives around. There's in. a sax that um, just has, won't. There's quit. all this moody sax music. I know which you can tell. You can tell from the beginning. This is going to be a sexy Red Shoe Diaries kind of episode of Tales from the Crypt. We should watch an episode of the Red Shoe Diaries just so we can know if we're making that reference correctly. I, I mean, I remember watching Red Shoe Diaries when I was younger, but you're right. I probably should revisit. David Duchovny, everyone's 90s masturbation pal. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. Oh, you want to talk about the bumpers? Bumpers? Feel bad. Oh, where uh, we get to see uh, the Crypt Keeper's little sad, lifeless body twisting in the wind after he hung himself, hanged himself. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Here, here's what I said. Here's what I say. The beginning, right? He's he's cooking slash doing, you know, like satanic magic or something. And he needs a goat, but then he needs a virgin goat. So there's definitely like we start off with a with a with a, with a goat sex joke. And then we end, and I just wrote, <laughs> the Crypt Keeper engaging in autoerotic asphyxiation because he's definitely hanging himself. And like, no, he's not literally masturbating, but he is hanging himself and then sort of like implied like it's supposed to be a rush for him. <laughs> feels bad. Feels bad. I don't know. Keeper. I mean, I feel like there's this sort of weird, there's this weird 90s idea where it's like, it's a creepy person. So they like when creepy things happen, like dying. And you're like, that seems, I don't know. Yeah. Like, like I think about the um, remake uh, or the uh, 90s uh, movie version of the Addams Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good... And, and like all of all of the electric yeah, chair Yeah, that's a stuff. wonderful... That is a wonderful reference. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly yes. what I'm talking about yes. where you're like, I don't really know if that's like a thing. Um, yes. What do we rate this episode? What do you got? Me. So I will give this one... So <laughs> I really don't like this episode. I don't think I'll ever especially want to watch it again. It's kind of given me all the delight. It is, however, kind of so forgettable as to not be truly hateable. Uh, so I give this one one out of five Chekhov's parrots. Oh, I have a ba- I have a parrot one too. Um, I call it, I, I basically gave it one yeah. point out of, for style. So I said one out of five blabbermouth parrots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are in agreement. Parrots and parrots. What are we doing next time? Next time. We'll check in with a rock promoter with a worse than average case of tinnitus in episode eight of season two for crying out loud. I like it. So this episode was not super good, but there are other great episodes. And sometimes it's fun to watch things that are a little bit subpar and it's and it's no ever subpar. John Kassir. So we would recommend that you look at our Amazon affiliate link <laughs> in our show description um, and give that a little click, click, and then use it next time you're shopping on Amazon. Well, you'll send us a buck or two, which would be just delightful. John uh-huh. Kassir, too. 
Awesome. You know, one of these days he's going to find out about our podcast and I'm just waiting to receive. I assume it will somehow be like an email with a voice attachment where he'll be like, hello, creeps. Hello, creeps. <laughs> and Stop I will, pretending you're doing me my favors by giving me small Amazon residuals. Right. Please, please stop making fun of me. We're not. We're not we making fun of me. great. We're not. Once again, thank you for listening to Crypt Creepers. Please check us out on Apple Podcasts. Stitcher, the platform of your choice. However it is you're listening to this. Are there lunatics who are putting this up on YouTube? Maybe. I don't know. You could check out. Let's find out. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review us. Be sure to visit outrageousmechanisms.com slash crypt creepers to see our show notes. See all the cool little icons that go with all of our ratings and find other excellent podcasts. Till next time, kitties. What do hospital gowns and insurance policies have in common? You're n- <laughs> you're never as covered as you think you are. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Outrageous.